Roll for initiative. you nerdy adventurers, DM Heath here, and I want to welcome you to today's episode of Everyday Dungeon Master, a podcast for the everyday DM and the players who love them. Today's episode is all about immersion, including how to create such an immersive experience that players can dive into. Also on today's episode, we have a new segment. Monster Spotlight will be something we run towards the end of the show, and each week we might spotlight a cool monster or pit two monsters against each other and let the listeners decide who wins. Stay tuned to check it out. Okay, with all that out of the way, let's jump into today's episode and introduce today's guest. So today's guest loves playing tabletop games, and when you cannot find him running a game of D&D, you can be sure to find him painting miniatures and strategizing for war in a game of Warhammer 40k. Please join me in welcoming to the show Dungeon Master Dominic. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey man, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, how about you? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Thanks, thanks for taking some time to be on, I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Um, all right, so everyone knows the ropes around here. We're five. We're five episodes in. If you don't know the ropes, we don't. <laughs> we're just gonna. We're gonna do it anyway. We're gonna start with our DM icebreakers. So, all right, Dominic, how long have you been a DM for? So I've been a DM for about two years on and off. Um, I was a player for a majority of my D and D experience, and then I kind of jumped into the DM DMing side. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Two years. That's great. That's about what I have too. So what made you take the leap then? You said you played for like quite a bit and then you did the leap. So what made you take that leap initially from player to DM? Yeah, I just had a really good idea of like, um, you know, kind of running a campaign and kind of doing my own story. Uh, I, I listened to an album, kind of fell in love with it and kind of used that album as a basis for my story and just wanted to tell it. That's really cool. I love when, uh, you know, you find like a kind of a non-traditional way, right? To like mm-hmm. build something like a build a story or something like that, you know, people can build a fantasy setting several times. But when you find something unique to like build in, it's really cool. Yeah. You know what? The, the album that I, that I listened to, it was like a concept album and it was two albums and it was actually about a fantasy world. And uh, and so I just kind of took elements that I like from it and just kind of molded my own story out of it. That's so cool, man. That's awesome. <laughs> well, so what's your DM style then? You know, I, I'm kind of like a mix of it's whatever, it's a game and have fun, you know, rule of cool and uh, and kind of, I guess, rules lawyer would be the closest way to put it. You know, like um, if they want to do something cool, I'll let them do something cool. But uh, I'm really not too stingy on that. But when it comes to something that might be, you know, a little bit gamey or anything, I'll, I'll kind of go a little bit harder on the rules with that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, so it sounds like we're kind of similar with with how we DM. Uh What's like the what's the weirdest thing on the fly putting on the spot? What's like the weirdest thing or what's the coolest thing you like allowed somebody to do that probably was like a little bit rule bendy? Oh, man. Okay. (laughs) One of my one of my characters was uh, trying to like there was like an elevator shaft. Um, This was in one of my previous games, and it was just kind of like a weird, uh, weird setting with a little bit of technology thrown in. And uh, one one of the players in my campaign had a had a rogue, uh, and they used a bow and arrow all the time. There there's an elevator shaft that had like uh, I, I forgot exactly the monsters that I was using. They were pretty much like bats. Mm-hmm. And he said, "I want to 
jump down the elevator shaft, shoot one of them, and then grab onto the elevator rope. <laughs> and so I took I took a long time and was like I thought of myself, okay. <laughs> and I was like, you know, if you roll bad, this is gonna go really terrible for you, right? And he's like, I don't even care. <laughs> so, but he rolled well. He 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 I th- I believe I believe he rolled a crit on the bat and then I didn't even make him roll for the athletics or acrobatics check to grab onto the rope. Yeah, you 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 did it. <laughs> so so what then proceeded after that was uh, a bunch of uh, other people trying to do their own like Call of Duty <laughs> trick shots into the elevator shaft. One one of them failed, but he was able to recover in the later half. It was it was pretty great. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like pure chaos and a lot of fun. Oh yeah, it was it was chaos, yeah. <laughs> Last night in our session literally was the most like intense moment we had. That was kind of rules bendy a little bit, but my I have a Goliath barbarian in my party. Mm-hmm. And they were in this like plane that I don't it might exist. It's kind of was loosely based off like Mechanis. So they were fighting moderns in this like little like space area and there was this giant black void between platforms and it was a 15 foot jump and the goliath was raging and he was like i'm just gonna do it i had to get to the bad guy and he's like i'm just gonna jump it and i was like oh god this is gonna he's gonna die i was like you're gonna die and he's like no i'm gonna do it i said the dc's 20 i need two (laughs) dc 20 you're gonna have to make two dc 20s it's dc 20 athletics to make the jump and then dc 20 strength to catch yourself on the ledge and pull yourself up Oh he man, rolled, he rolled a twenty-five and a twenty-one. Oh, ooh. he cut it pretty close there at the last one. He did, and I was like, that could have been instant death. And the whole party was just kind of like holding their breath. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. It was always the best. Yeah, dude, it was it was nuts. But so, give us one memorable gameplay moment that lives with you. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of torn. I I guess I guess the the most recent one would be when I was a DM. I uh. My one one of the players in in the campaign I'm currently running, she wanted to start her own like, I guess adventure sightseeing tourist trap. Um, so she had posters all around like the major city, and uh, and she wanted to she wanted to see if anyone would come along. And I I, I didn't do it for a little bit because I was trying to figure out a good way to do it. But eventually, I just said, do you know what? This is her idea. I'll just have her. I'll have her like kind of co DM it a little bit. Yeah. So so I I talked to her and she came up with two characters that were from a wealthy like business uh like merchant. And one of them was extremely smart uh but pretty feeble. The other one was big and strong but dumb as rocks. <laughs> and we we did like I I believe it was like an hour of role playing where um they were kind of just like taken on a guided tour of being an adventurer. So it started off with, you know, oh, this is how you swing a sword type of thing. And and then they then they transitioned to the uh, the warlock who took them into his kind of like dungeon like basement where he kept all of his books and uh, was telling him how to cast spells. And it was all like it was all just like hokey pokey stuff. Right. Like it was just like some fake chant. And then he used pre- uh, precedentation to make it look like they produced flames and, and all that. And it took him on like a mini adventure where our our druid uh, transformed into a warg, and they like killed the warg. He played dead. And it was it, it was pretty. They really enjoyed that. It was it was really funny. It, it was a good hour. What, did they like? 
did they like make were they like trying to make gold off of this yeah they were trying to make gold yeah they were trying to pretty much like and and, and the merchant was kind of in on it he's like you're not really taking them out to like adventure and stuff right <laughs> and they're like oh no we're, we're gonna take them out and like they were they were full send on it even when they even when the merchant was kind of like listen i'm a merchant i know how this kind of thing goes they were like oh no this is 100 percent real <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an hour of just like pure joy i <laughs> <laughs> it was great <laughs> that's amazing um oh god okay well I know we just went real high there. That was nice. Now give me one of like, give me like a, an absolute fail that happened is like a moment. Oh man. Uh, yeah. As a player, it was probably like, I would say my second like campaign of D and D and my friend was running it and I rolled, I thought it was a really cool character and they had like a glaive and they had like a pet pseudo dragon and they were like a dragon knight, like homebrew class. It was super awesome. Um, the the only thing was is that my my stats were all all good in my combat so they would you know i i should have a decent chance to hit stuff like that but mm-hmm. i think for the entire campaign i i never i almost never hit a damn thing <laughs> like <laughs> i i was rolling ones for i i think it was like five times in a row i don't know the oh odds of that, but it's really low and even when i didn't i like just missed I, there were times where my friend had to throw me a bone and it's like yeah you just hit you, you hit <laughs> like it was it was it was bad oh my gosh dude that's it's so fun on both sides of the screen it's so frustrating right like you yeah. have your part when your party's like missing a ton but then like when you're just like as playing playing as like the monster you're missing a ton you're just like this is the guy has four attacks and i missed all four times like what in the world <laughs> Just the worst part was that it wasn't just like one session that this happened. I would say the good half of the campaign for about like a half a year was just me missing all the time, Uh, all the time. (laughs) That sucks, man. Yeah, I I feel that. I feel that. I'm sorry that you had to live through it. (laughs) You know, I came out I came out as a as a better person, I would like to think. (laughs) (laughs) It's always the tribulations that we learn a lot about our dice rolling and character sheets. So, so true, man. That's amazing. Uh, Well, both of those, I mean, it was a fail, but it ended up being a great story. So thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Um, All right. So let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. Okay, so today's episode is story immersion, allowing your players to dive in and lose themselves in real life. So with that in mind, let's get to our first question. All right, so Dominic, how do you set the initial immersion hook for your stories? Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because like all of my all of my adventures begin pretty mundane, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's like standard I have a quest for you, you know, type of thing. And, and they, they go on. Um, I, I think what makes, what I think what makes me, my, my DMing a little bit special is that I, I mainly use like music and like animated assets, um, on a virtual tabletop, uh, that I play on to kind of create the immersion. Um, Cause I'm not a writer. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how to kind of hook and draw people in, but what I can do is kind of manipulate them into feeling immersed, you know, with, 
yeah. uh, ambient music scores and, you know, just like the little things like uh, putting like fog on water to make it look like it's moving. You know, mm-hmm. it, it makes it makes the battlefield a lot more real. And and I f- and I feel like that's how they get immersed. Dude, that's kudos to you, because that's one of the things that I think sets apart DMs, right, is that some DMs feel like it's all about the writing. They'll lean on the writing and maybe writing is not your strong suit. And that's totally OK. Find your strengths as a DM, like what you can bring to the table and just lean in on those. I think that's so cool because that does definitely create immersion. So you say that you use your your virtual tabletop um, to create immersion. So is that something that you use in person or do you usually just play online? Yeah, so I, I normally just play online. Um, the, the group I play with now, um, we met through a pay to play, um, a DM. And after about a year and a half of that, we decided, you know, you guys are pretty cool. So we started our own Discord and started running adventures there. It's not really feasible to uh, to play in person with a person that lives in, you know, halfway across the United States. Right. And then we have two people that are in Europe, in Germany. So, uh, yeah, we use Fan- Foundry uh, Virtual Tabletop. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I've, I've never used Foundry, but I've heard really good things about it. Yeah, I, I, I really like it. Uh, it's definitely... It's definitely a lot harder to use in Roll20, but uh, if you can get the grips with it and and put in the work to make it work, it's awesome. Dude, that's cool. I mean, I, I've always wanted to play around with animated maps, and I mean, Roll20, I think just, I mean, unless there's a way. Hey, listen, if you're an expert with Roll20, hit me up, okay, because I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, but I don't know if there's really a way to do animated maps in Roll20, but I, I uh, yeah, dude, that, that's really cool. Yeah, to my to my knowledge, I don't think that there is a way to do that. Um, it just, the engine that they use just doesn't support animation like that. That's yeah. That's, that's it's a shame. But listen, next thing, if you're rule 20 and you're listening to this right now, <laughs> fix your engine anyway. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so how do you continue that immersion? So you get the, you know, the players sit down, they're in music, the lights, the animated maps, and then how do you kind of use like other elements or those elements and like ramp them up to just keep players like drawn in? Yeah, I think I think the best way uh, I'll, I'll give you like an example. Um, I was kind of new. I was using Astral Tabletop at the time. It's kind of like Foundry Light, but a little bit more powerful than Roll20. And so they had like all these like cool things you can do with sounds and everything. So I sat down. And I was like, do you know, what? I, I really want to try to try to like work at this to see what I can do. I created kind of like a haunted house kind of experience with like ambient effects, you know, the whole works. I found that the best way to keep that was to use the sounds in, in a way that can provoke a response. Okay. So while they were going through the haunted house, uh, I had a I had uh, I have a soundboard that I use and I had the ambient music at the time going through that because I wanted to do something very specific. As soon as they get to this door that was closed, I wanted to hotkey the music to stop. And the and uh, play a sound cue to have like the door slowly open. Oh, that's cool. And then of course all the players are like, oh, what what the hell was that? I'm scared now. <laughs> as soon as one of them stepped into the door, I played another sound cue of the door slamming closed behind them, and like all the faucets in the bathroom turning on at once, and like a vibration kind of like going through the room. I described that, and then. Right afterwards, I just act like nothing happened and just replayed the music. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, dude, that's that's incredible. Like you just describing that, I'm like picturing it in my head. I'm like, oh my 
God. That as a player, if I was there, I'd be like, what the hell is happening right now? That that was exactly how they felt, you know, they because they've never they've never experienced anything like that as a player. Everything that we did was through Roll20, so it was very limited. But when I was able to go through the toolbox that I had, I was able to kind of create that experience for them. And at the end of the adventure, they were saying, like, you you need to literally like put an ad up somewhere and get paid to run this specific adventure. And they said it was like the best that they've ever they've ever experienced. And so that kind of boosted my ego a lot. <laughs> have you then so have you have you thought about ever becoming like a paid DM? You know, I thought about it, but um, ultimately, I just like doing it. I like just creating the story of it. And I, I feel like if I turn it into a job, it kind of be like, yeah, I kind of fall out of love with it. Yeah, yeah. it kind of be like too formulaic, you know, at that point. Definitely, definitely. I And the door slams open. <laughs> like <laughs> at the time, it was really cool when I did it. But if I did that, like, I don't know, like 10 times, it'd be like, yeah, stop, start, stop, start. <laughs> You're like, and, and now it's lame. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. Like my I talked to my wife about it a little bit. I was like, yeah, I'm you know, thinking about being a paid DM. I'll just try it. And she's like, yeah, but you know what? Like as soon as someone like makes you the, like their employee, all creativeness just kind of like leaves your like hands and you mm. have to run something that they want you to run. Right. Otherwise you don't get paid that week. Right. Exactly. And like you could be fired at any point and it's just like kind of, and I was like, you know, you're right. Like I love having full creative control over everything. Yeah. And kind of going off on a tangent on that, like uh, we, we left our paid DM mainly because he did, he, he got enough games to turn it into a job. And the quality of the games dropped just like just so much that mm-hmm. we got rushed at the end of our campaign, you know, and that, that sucked because we were we were in that campaign for about like a good like year and a half, two years, yeah. you know, and and so when you turn into a job like that, I feel like, you know, you just kind of rush things and wanted, wanted to get it over with. For sure. For sure. No, I get that. Well, cool, dude. Let's uh, let's jump into the next question. So, all right, let's talk about the the metagaming pigeon, right? And just talking outside of the game in general, I know some DMs are like total silence or you can't play. Uh, And then some are like totally chill about it. So kind of where do you land on on allowing that kind of stuff in your game? And, you know, if it's allowed, like, do you think it takes away from the immersion at all? Yeah, I mean, like, um, as for like outside talking, um, as long as it doesn't take up like too much time, you know, I'm all for it, you know. I have I have confidence in my ability to as soon as that like outside conversation ends, I can immediately draw them back into the game. Yeah. And for the most part, it works out like that. Man, metagaming, though, um, <laughs> that, that, that's always that's always so hard to combat, you know, because I feel like uh, especially since I have a lot of experienced players, uh, they, they like to get a very min maxi, you know, they know. Yeah all the ins and outs, it, it's, it's really hard to do that. Uh, you know, one ways that one, one of the ways that I combat that is, uh, using third party books. Okay. Um, so I use uh, a lot of my, some of my monster manuals, uh, are by Cobalt Press. Uh, and they have like, they have a few of them, the Tomb of Beasts, Tomb of Beasts 2. They have, a, they have a one more, I forgot the name of, um, but that for the monster side and combat side, uh, throwing a, totally new monster that they don't know the mechanics of really like throws them for a loop and it's and it's fun when you see like the gears turning and them trying to get like oh wait what's going on here (laughs) you know and and then when they i'll I'll let them talk outside to kind of brainstorm with each other you know at that point but like um 
yeah, using that, uh, just supplementing your games with the third party books. Um, I have a, I have a book called campfire and okay. it's made for long journeys and it pretty much gives you tables and everything. And depending on what skills they use to get there, um, if they get a certain amount of successes or failures, they can get either get a boon or like a debuff, like half movement speed for the next 24 hours. Cause it was a rough journey type of thing. And so throwing them curveballs like that can also kind of mitigate metagaming as well. That's really interesting. I, I never thought like outside of the normal, like published rules, like bringing in some of those other fa- uh, facets, like that can really enhance the game. And, make people stay engaged and minimize metagaming because they simply just can't metagame because they don't know what's coming. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's always fun seeing my, my one win, win maxi kind of player um, all of a sudden, you know, have half movement speed <laughs> or, <laughs> or he gets disadvantaged on his attacks for the next day because, you know, they really just, you know, their survival skills didn't roll very well. You know, they got lost for a day or two, you know, and coming back into that, you know, with immersion, you know, if you're trekking like nine days on the road into like some unknown forest that you've never been before, you know, and you haven't ate, you got lost for a few days, you know, of course, there's going to be like some repercussions for that. And that's, you know, another one of the ways that, you know, you can create immersion with with those kind of curveballs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you should just. Here's what you should do. I got an idea for you. Uh, okay. Write write your own third party material that incorporates the rules of Oregon Trail into D anD D, and just have a random party member be like, "Oh, you died of dysentery. Sorry." Yeah, roll a new character. <laughs> There's no coming back from that. No, no. We're, we're we're in medieval times and you're in the forest uh there's no there's no like penicillin or anything you're dead <laughs> wait, 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 wait. can i cast for the dying absolutely not you don't know how nasty dysentery is <laughs> you you guys didn't really understand that you, you know there's still bloodletting in your times you don't understand <laughs> that what you're dealing with is a disease disease isn't really a concept for you so no you're just dead uh revivify won't work either roll a new character please <laughs> oh that's amazing uh i'd play it i'd play those roles that's harsh that's that i yeah. love it oh yeah you're you're giving me ideas don't do that <laughs> <laughs> my players are gonna they're gonna come into a session one day and it's like well see you didn't uh your water fell off into the wagon and <laughs> When you retrieve the water, you didn't realize that there was a hole into it, and that hole led to a stream, and that stream actually had parasites. So now you guys are crouched into a bush for the next day because you can't control your bowels. <laughs> Roll the, con saving throw. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like at that point you might as well just go out into the forest and role play it like a LARP. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it so much. Uh, <laughs> Talk about immersion. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, all right. So what lessons, if any, have you learned along the way? Like, has there been anything you tried that didn't work or something that you had to change to ensure the atmosphere was uh, appropriate for creating immersion? Yeah. You know, there's like, there's been a few times where, um, if, especially when I was like just starting out on kind of using sound and, and all that, where it just like didn't fit at all. Like, you know, um, Maybe maybe they were going through a cave and I had a I had like a cave sound effect that had like water dripping down. But the water, no matter how low that I turned it, the water 
dropping was just so piercing in the mix that it was just like every time it was like, oh, they just kind of winced. Oh, yeah. Or or I would I have like an overlay that has like thunderstorms and everything not accounting and which is fine for me because it's like 930 in the morning. But what I didn't take into account that it was nighttime, it was like almost 10 o'clock for my friends in Germany and they're sitting in a dark room and all of a sudden they just get blinded by this flash of white light. <laughs> and so they're, so after the game, they're like, yeah, that was kind of annoying. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I didn't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could have just like, but I can imagine like that just happening over and over. And you're like, oh, God, like I'm going to I'm just going to like have a seizure if this doesn't stop. Well, do you know what's funny? They didn't tell me that. I mean, it was going on for probably about like two hours and they didn't tell me until after the session. So obviously it wasn't that bad. So I think I'm going to re-implement it. <laughs> I think you should. You're like, listen, you didn't get enough of it last time. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, but but, you know, one of the things I learned, you know, through all of it was to never try to like force it. You know, I, I feel like it just comes naturally, you know put the sounds where they should be and everything. And it will just kind of come naturally. Um, I think a lot of people, when they want to use like music and, and stuff like that for immersion, they always want to go like over the top with it. Like mm -hmm. for example, like combat music, right? You know, you go on, if you go on YouTube and type in D and D combat music, it's going to be like all two steps from hell with like raging vocals <laughs> and trumpets. And, you know, and if they're finding goblins or like kobolds and they're just massacre massacring them by the dozens, you know, it does it really make sense for, for it to be like, they're fighting for their lives. And so, you know, it's always good to like, you know, you know, you know, they're fighting like kobolds. Maybe I should like tone it down a few notches. Let's have only like one trumpet instead of like a whole symphony. <laughs> That's amazing. Just start playing like really like pop punk, like upbeat music while they're fighting goblins. I, I you know, I was thinking many times that I really just want to have like, I, I want to do like a session where I'm the worst DM ever and they're in the worst dungeon of their lives. And <laughs> I really wanted to do just like every time they, any time that there was any sort of action, it was just like blaring like heavy metal music, you know, like or it's just something like that. It just as like an April Fool's game or something, you know, and like I think it would just be hilarious or 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 the exact opposite. Super huge trumpets and like huge sound stages <laughs> with like, I don't know, it'd be pretty funny, like some Sabaton in the background or something like that, you know, like it'd be hilarious. Dude, absolutely. And if you ever do that, please record it because I, I will listen to it and I, love, I will love that. <laughs> the idea was birthed here, everybody. All right, April Fool's game. Don't just completely go ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's my OC. Don't steal. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright twenty twenty two. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for talking uh, through some of those topics and those questions. I really appreciate it. But as I said at the top, before I let you go, we're going to move into our new segment here on Everyday Dungeon Master called Monster Spotlight. Let's get into it. It's a new segment. I hope you all enjoy it. I love monsters. So Dominic, before we recorded, I asked you to come up with a monster that you wanted to spotlight and tell us why you think they deserve the limelight. So what monster do you have for us today? 
So I have the Toad King. Uh, it's in the Tomb of Beasts 2 by Cobalt Press. And I think that not only is it a good monster, it is you can you can literally do like an entire campaign around this monster and it would totally work. The the whole thing about the Toad King is that well one, he is the king of toads and frogs, and he commands them. Uh, but he has three forms. Uh, he has a kind of like a large frog form. He has a humanoid form. And then he has like a bipedal toad form, which is his true form. Uh, how he meets the adventurers usually is that he is in his large toad form with like the crown on his head and everything. And he, he plays the role of a prince that was cursed and sends these adventurers on like the most obscure crazy like convoluted quest that you can possibly imagine and it does list uh, on the tome of beasts it has some has some examples there um but just think of the most convoluted thing you can come up with um and send the adventurers out and then when they come back and if if they complete the quest uh he will use his humanoid form and act like the oh you freed me from this curse uh, but in reality, they didn't do anything. Uh, he's actually not a noble. Uh, in fact, I believe they wrote in there that uh, he's actually like one of the most hated animal lords because he literally just talks to toads and controls them. <laughs> and so he does this to kind of feel self-important. <laughs> That's incredible. Oh, my God, dude. Like, I'm looking over these like uh, these quests and I'm just thinking to myself, like, yeah, you better bring that gallon of water back to him, and I hope you don't die of dysentery along the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what's cool too is that if you do use them, it, it some of the pre-made quests that they have like ties into the book as well, so you get to use more monsters from the book that you bought, and and a lot of them are really interesting monsters too. So like you can literally create a whole campaign around this guy, just like have him do the most. You know, like I need. The tooth of a black dragon, but an ancient black dragon. And then I need you to go to the, you know, I don't know. It, it's just create the most obscure thing you can think of and just base a campaign around it. <laughs> and then and then the final like the final part of the campaign is just them thinking that they just saved this huge noble. But then like <laughs> at the very end, just be like, you know. They they actually the Toad King is just he's just a toad. He's just <laughs> he, he's just he's just a toad. <laughs> he's actually not a noble, guys. This whole like two years you spent in this campaign, yeah, he's just he's just a toad king. He's not a noble at all. <laughs> and like before we recorded, I'd said like it kind of like reminds me of Vecna a little bit because he has this trait called rejuvenation that allows his soul to reform on the astral plane and then come back into another frog. Yes, like, and the only way you can stop him from coming back is if you somehow were to eradicate every single toad and frog <laughs> in the world. Only then will he stay dead. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> Such an impossible task, but I kind of want to make my players try. Yeah. <laughs> Get every single frog and kill it. Yeah, that's the second half of the campaign is that anytime you see like a frog, you just you, you're just going to have to kill it. You want to get back of the Toad King. <laughs> oh, that's such, that's so amazing. Well, we'll have we'll have a link to where you can find the the Toad King and take a look at it and or support Cobalt Press, which is an awesome third party uh, company. We talked about them last episode as well, a couple episodes ago as well. And we'll have some links to the, some of those other books that uh, the Dominic mentioned. You know, some great third party stuff. 
that uh, you can use to add immersion into your your story. Uh, Dominic, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was fun. All right, we made it to the end of another episode, another awesome episode. But before we can let you go, Dominic, we need your Dungeon Master tip. So lay it on us. What you got? You know, D&D is a game. It's uh, a game where it's just the most fantastical elements uh, you could possibly imagine. It's ridiculous at times. And just remember to have fun. Uh, Not only make your players have fun, but make sure that you're having fun as well. Because if you're not having fun, then, you know, it's going to kind of spill into the game. So so make sure everyone's having fun, you're having fun, and that uh, you create a fun environment for people to have fun in. I agree with that so, so much because I have definitely been a player, you know, on the side where DM was not having fun. And the, to, to your point, it definitely bleeds into the game and you're just like, okay, this is kind of lame and boring. But I've also been on the side where I've been a DM and like kind of just had an off night or just been gone through a stretch where I'm like, it's not really fun. I don't really like the story we're on. And it definitely affects how you present for sure. Yeah, it does. Thank you so much for that tip. And, and thank you so much again for taking time out of your day to come talk to us. Loved having you here. Loved the conversation. Loved talking about Oregon Trail. It was great. <laughs> uh, and I hope everyone gained some good insight on how to create story immersion. So once again, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Everyday Dungeon Master. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us a follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. And if you feel inclined, drop us a rating and a review. Also, if you're a Dungeon Master out there and you want to appear on a future episode of the show, or if you're a player or DM and you just want to drop a future topic suggestion or give feedback, go ahead and contact me at everydaydungeonmaster at outlook.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Everyday DM Pod. With that, happy gaming nerdy adventures. I'll catch you on the flip side. This is Heath. Talk to you later. Thank you so much. God, I just started laughing. Stop thinking about Oregon Trail. I can't. <laughs>